The discerning will have detected a theme to this series, although the titles may not have necessarily pointed to that. And I know I'm talking to a discerning group of people. So the first week we talked about the return of the king. Jesus is coming back. And it's incredible how little we've talked about that in church for a long time, but how important it was in the teaching of Paul and the apostles and the early church. He's coming back, and that gives us great hope. It gives us great hope for Andrew, who's with the Lord. It says the dead in Christ arise first. I mean, he's going to get into all that thing before we do, you know. And also, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be obvious. It's not going to be discreet in a corner in a small nation in the in the Middle East it's it's going to be glorious obvious it's going to be a moment of grand justice which actually is very very important because in this season of 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 the of the created order as it were God is incredibly patient and we're living in a season of great kindness and grace but there is a point of accountability to come for all and, and that's important because we are responsible for what he's given us, for how we live, both as believers, but also as unbelievers. But what we're building with, I do not want to get into heaven with only my underpants on was my phrase. And I know that that's not a great thought, but it will stick in your mind, which is why I keep saying it. Um, we want to build our lives with gold and silver, not wood, hay and stubble that will be burned. We don't just be saved, literally, as Paul says, through fire, but we want to build something substantial in our life. We want to serve the kingdom of God and his purpose. All right, so that's all wrapped up in Jesus is coming back, <clears throat> the return of the king. And, uh, and then we talked about priests arise, and I talked about the royal priesthood, how it was a piece of the... Um, the Reformation that really never got installed and we started to replace priests with pastors and ministers and parsons and what have you. And we kind of continued a bit of the mindset that there's there's, there's the super people that do all the spiritual stuff and then there's us. And actually God is is restoring that, is, is coming back on that one. And we talked about that because actually Jesus is coming back for a mature bride, for a beautiful bride. He's coming back for royal priests standing and priestesses standing up in their royal identity because we're called to be ministers all right every single one of us is a minister all right you don't have to go to bible college to be a minister you don't have to be paid to be full-time to be a minister you are a minister into the body of christ and into the world around you so that was royal priests arise this week is disciples assemble so if you notice, I've stolen a film title every time. Maybe you didn't notice that, but this one is particularly good, and I stole it from somebody else. So by now, by now my grandkids helped, no doubt. By now, you should be at Matthew 28. I'm just going to read, this is the very last verses of the Gospel of Matthew. Verse 18, Jesus said to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And uh, 
I just want to read you another verse. You can turn if you want, but it's Acts 6.1. There's lots of verses like this through the book of Acts, but this is Acts 6.1. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And what you find in the book of Acts is over and over again, the church is referred to as the disciples rather than the church or the church members. Sometimes you get the idea of the believers, but actually what they were counting was disciples, not church attendants. It doesn't really actually talk that, about that much in the book of Acts at all. Over and over again, it's the disciples were increasing, the disciples were this, the disciples were that, because they'd understood what Jesus had said. Our goal is to make disciples. Now, obviously, it is to disciple nations, which is like big picture outcome. But inside of that, each individual is called to be a disciple and to do what Jesus said, which is make disciples. And... Uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he's taught us. So the goal of discipling is to help people into a place where they're baptized in the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're baptized in water and the Spirit, and they are learning to be obedient to the Lord. Simple, you would think. Um. So really, the church should be the assembly of the disciples. It's the disciples assembling. And that's kind of how the book of Acts sees it. Um, lockdown revealed something about this, and we've referred to some of this last time. And uh, if you were there Saturday night when Jamie was with us last Saturday, it was great. He just referred to some research he did. And some of the leaders uh, in Kingdom Legacy just researched post-lockdown and some of the pandemic stuff that what had it done to church and why did people come to church and why did people not come to church at the end of the pandemic and one of the things it started to highlight that some of the reasons people came to church like attended the meetings were because their friends were there or the worship was good or or they liked the teaching or... um, the kids' work was a good experience, or they maybe they experienced God. And of course, when you take away all of that because you couldn't do it, lots of people sort of drifted because the thing they were coming for was no longer provided. And what it started to highlight for the church, so this isn't just my opinion, this is now looking at what's happened, is that actually what we had was church attenders more than we had church disciples disciples of Jesus and and there's a fresh emphasis around the body of Christ at least in you know Europe and and we're doing it here hence one-to-one mentoring we've been kind of bringing that in bit by bit because God is speaking to his church that he wants disciples a very simple thing he wants disciples not attenders he wants disciples not just like church members or Sunday churchgoers no matter what kind of radical expression of church it is or, or not, the point is, who are the disciples in the house? Not just how many bums did we get on the seats. And that kind of, a bit of a harsh realisation has been rippling through leaders and churches around, around the UK, the US, the Western world is like, oh my goodness, we're actually here 
our, our uh, if we are to count anything, it should be who's, who are the disciples rather than how many's in the room. Okay, so hence discipleship. It's time for discipleship and disciples to arise. And we've begun to do that. And, and a lot of leaders, including me, thought we were discipling people. We were providing great preaching or encounters with God or, or great worship. But actually those things are kind of in the atmosphere. They provide an environment. And of course, the hungry will always get that stuff. But a lot of people need more help than just being in a really great environment to actually connect and grow in that environment. You with me? So I'm like, oh, okay, we need to do something about this. And so we are. So thanks so much to the one-to-one mentoring, the mentees. It's happening. Discipleship is happening in Hope Church already. In case you didn't notice, it's already happening. And, and, it, and I'm, I'm glad that we've, we've kind of got phase two because I think it's got to become cultural forever in the life of this church and church in general. That deserves an amen or a, at least a nod of the head. Like, um, all right, so let, let's, let's, just do some, let's just teach about this for the time we've got left. That's, that's more a kind of, I just work like this. I need to know what the big picture is, what the background is, why we arrived here, what's the Holy Spirit doing. Hopefully it helps you, helps me get kind of revved up to actually teach the point. Um, so we're going to look at what is a disciple, we're going to look at briefly disciples are made and not born, and we're going to look at seven hallmarks of disciples of Jesus, and I'm sure there are more than seven, but seven will do, and it's a great number, those of you who are into, what is a disciple, a definition, a brief definition, number two, disciples are made and not born, <clears throat> So just because you popped into the kingdom doesn't equal you are now a disciple. Um, and if we're becoming disciples, what are hallmarks of discipleship? How can we know that that's something that's happening in our life? All right, you ready? Okay, thanks for talking to me. Appreciate it. Uh, so what is a disciple? Basically, disciple means a learner. Okay, the word means to be a learner. And the context of discipleship, as you see with Jesus, had disciples. Yeah, and, and the 12 became apostles, but you had, they were initially disciples. And then there was a whole raft of other people following him as disciples. And there was a cultural understanding of that because the rabbis had disciples. And if you became the disciple of a rabbi, and that's what Jesus was seen at, you were saying, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to let your teachings shape my life, and I will allow you to shape me so I become more like you. So when they said to Jesus, yeah, we're going to be your disciple, they were saying, we want to listen to you, we want you to be influencing us, and we want to become like you. That's what a disciple is, is a learner, but a learner from a teacher, a learner. Now, what's happened in our culture is learners become learners from, you know, anything on YouTube you can find. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you end up with you are the person that is defining your Christianity, you're discipling yourself, that isn't true. That's not what discipleship is. So in our culture, forget church, in our culture, 
people who are spiritual are devising their own spirituality by dipping into various things. That's how culture works now. That's not how this culture works. This is actually incredibly countercultural to be a disciple, to make disciples, and, and to be on the end of, of being helped to be a disciple like, like Andrew was. Is this making sense? Because it's not, I'm trying to say what it isn't because this is so common out there that, that we need to sometimes contrast to understand. So disciple is a learner. Uh, it's someone whose life is being shaped by others that influence them. Um, disciples, in that scripture we just read, disciples are made, not born. Just because you're a Christian doesn't equal I'm a disciple. There's actually a famous book still in print called this, Disciples Are Made and Not Born, by William Hendrickson from a long time ago. But he's making the point that Jesus said to go and make disciples, that there's a process that we have to be willing to engage with. It's not, well, boop, now I'm in the kingdom, I'm a disciple, whether I engage with the process or not, that is not the case disciples are made and not born and if you just read any of the gospels take a week and read a gospel from the lens perspective of what's Jesus doing to disciple to train is another way of looking at it to train his followers who've said we'll follow you it is flipping scary <laughs> it is absolutely he is shaping their lives and their thinking Every single day. He's not just sitting on a mountain teaching them. He's actually challenging them. He's asking them to do crazy stuff. He's, he's putting them in threatening situations. I mean, there's one point where I think it's Thomas says, oh, well, let's just follow him so that we can die too. I mean, they just kind of, every point he's putting them on the edge of their understanding. That's, and they let him do it. They kept following him. There's something really attractive about being pushed about being shaped about not being allowed to settle into the mold you're designing for yourself or the mold that the culture is designing for you now listen the culture is discipling you make no doubt about this you are somebody's disciple whether you know it or not you're learning something we are bombarded by so many images input it shapes the way we think if we don't radically say we're going to be shaped by Jesus if we just float through life, we'll just swim with all the other fishes that are going in the sort of flow of the world's thinking and that's not going to build gold and silver in your life. That's a good way to build hay and stubble and end up in heaven in your underwear. So disciples are made, not born. It's all a process. So the good thing about that is making something is a process. So to be a disciple doesn't mean you're perfect, it just means you're in the process. You've said, you've gone to Jesus and said, I'll follow you, and you're doing it. And you're allowing him to shape your life through the means that he has to do that. And the key means that he does it is through his church, through his leaders, and through fellow believers who are helping you become more of a disciple. So it's fine that you're not perfect, it's fine that you've not made it, just being engaged positively and definitely in the process of being a disciple of Jesus, not just, well, I'm in the kingdom, 
that's enough. I show up in church, that's enough. I maybe give, that's enough. You know, I help out with kids' worth, that's enough. Yeah, that's all wonderful, but are you heart and soul engaged with becoming more like Jesus Christ and the process that that involves? Okay, here's seven hallmarks of disciples of Jesus Christ. You ready? Now, there could be more, could be said different, but this is, this is what you got today. Um, number one, a disciple is learning to live from their true identity. Why I'm saying it that way is because God, God, you're, you're the product of God's imagination first and he made you to be something amazing and then it all went terribly wrong. And when we come to Christ, we are being restored to his first and original plan. And you can get very, very messed up but when you come to Jesus, you are a new creation. But that new creation chimes with and echoes his original shape and purpose for your life in eternity past. That you would live with him like he always made you to be in eternity future. That's being a disciple. is learning to live from your, true, from your true identity. A disciple is aware that Jesus died for them and rose again for them to give to them and restore their original identity as designed by God. They're learning to live from that true identity. This includes the realization that I'm a son of God, a daughter of God, a daughter of the king. I'm living in union with Jesus Christ. I'm not separated from him. I'm free from legalism and religion. I'm free from guilt and, and sin and the power of sin and I know my gifts and I know my callings and I'm learning to express them and people who are discipling the mentors in, in, in language we're using are helping disciples walk out of feelings of being an orphan thinking of being an orphan into a behavior that does reflect the true reality that they're sons and daughters of Jesus, that they're abandoning those orphan feelings because they know you can actually help someone know that God receives them as they are. You can actually help someone into an encounter where they know that they're loved. You can help someone into an experience of the Holy Spirit where you know you're not on your own. The, the, I've said this a long, long time ago, many times, an orphan isn't <clears throat> the absence of parents. To be born, you need to have parents. An orphan is someone who has the absence of the presence of parents. And we can know the presence of our parent continuously. And sometimes we need to be helped and discipled into that realization that we have a good dad who's there all the time. We have the presence of our good parent. All right? And each one of these I'm going to give a scripture to. So 2 Corinthians 5.17, look it up later. If anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. The, old, the new has come and the old has gone. Number two, hallmark. Disciples are learning to not be seduced by the soul, but to live by the spirit. All those who are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When you become a Christian, you've probably never been led by the Spirit in your whole life. So it's something that we have to learn to do. And it's the opposite of being seduced by the soul or the flesh, which are actually uh, me-centered 
rather than Jesus-centered. A different way of putting this is to increasingly live every day at heaven coming to earth in and through their lives. Because they're sons and daughters who are being led by the Spirit and not by the soul or the flesh. Matthew 16, 25 says, whoever would save his life will lose it. So the fundamental mindset of the life without the Holy Spirit is to save your own life. And the fundamental mindset that is peddled in our culture is to look after yourself first. Me time. I mean, I've got time to go all through the, the slogans and the, the, we are bombarded with that basically says that you are number one and that's the way to live. Have your boundaries, have your etc., etc., etc. The only way to live is that he is number one. And sometimes we need to help to see the difference. <clears throat> right, I need to keep going. Number three, disciples are learning to see that the full works of Jesus, sorry, disciples are learning to see the full works of Jesus expressed through their lives. People get stuck on this because they're like, well, I don't feel much like a, a healer of the sick or a, a raiser of the dead. I mean, most days I don't feel like either of those things but it doesn't mean that they can't happen through me because Jesus is is painting his fullness on the canvas of your personality he's not limiting who he is in you by how you feel about you he's not limiting what he can do through you because you don't feel super extrovert or super anything else he's actually designed you exactly how he's made you in order to get the glory by showing his fullness through who you are and it will come out and through you in your unique unique shape of who you are all right so your unique shape does not limit what he can do through you it shapes what he can do through you so it gives a flavor that when Teresa prays for the sick I've never seen anybody pray for the sick or prophesy over people like she does it but she's still doing it and Jesus is doing his prophesying, sick healing thing. Teresa shape. Isn't that awesome? And that's true for everybody in the room. No, nobody can, although we do this, we count ourselves out or we tried and it didn't work. We need help when it try and it didn't work rather than give up. That's the process of being discipled. That this full charisma and his full character is expressed through us because he said to us in John 14:12 so two scriptures for this point I say to you whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father somebody asked me the other day well, do we get to do all the things that Jesus did I'm like well yeah yeah and more we are going to see things that he never saw and that is happening in the earth today. I mean, we have seen some pretty amazing stuff. But I heard a really cool story of someone who, who a, a believer in a, in a country far away, and, and they, they, had their, they were martyred. They had their head cut off for preaching the gospel. And the person that did it put their head on one side of the road and their body on the other. And then some a Muslim believer came along and put their head next to the body. The body reconnected, the head reconnected to the body. The person stood up, still with a scar around their neck, went back into the place and preached the gospel again. 
you will see things that are above and beyond what you could see in the Bible. That's awesome, isn't it? Do not be afraid of death. Yeah, yeah. And I think that scar remains as a permanent sign of the resurrection that happened. So this is God's purpose, Romans 8, 29. Those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus is not planning to be the only outstanding version of himself and everybody else is just sort of very natural. He wants to be among brothers and sisters who are doing what he did because he's living through them and showing them how to do it. All right, oh, number four. Number four, are you ready for number four? <laughs> Disciples are growing to see themselves, this is connected to last week's message, as ministers and pastors in their world and in their church to bring heaven into it. You are your workplace chaplain, whether they have one officially or not. And if there isn't one, you definitely hear it. Because of the priesthood of all believers, so... This is a quick point because we did it last week. 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are that. And disciples are learning to be that, express that wherever they are. Number five, disciples use their freedom in Christ as a springboard to service. This is kind of connected to one of the ones earlier on, but it's worth highlighting. Disciples are using their freedom in Christ as a springboard to service. They know that there's no condemnation. They know that there's no guilt, but they also know that they're accountable for every word and work and decision that they make before the audience of one, which is the King Jesus. And so... Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but don't use your freedom to say no to every opportunity to serve others. That's my translation. If you're asked, you say no. No, no, no. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Assume the answer is yes. Just to make an application of that one. Assume a yes rather than a no. And if all that rises up inside of you is a no, ask the question or get some help to find out why. If the glorious freedom that Jesus has purchased for us is there that we may freely serve one another. Amen? Oh, I got an amen. That was one of the toughest points I've made this morning. Thank you so much. Can we just say amen again? It was just, just it did me good. Okay, number six. I'm just about going to get this done. Disciples see their role to hear and flow with apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So all those gifts are given to the church to equip the church. So equipping is part of learning, is part of discipleship. And God gives special gifts to the church that stand out in certain ways in certain areas. And, and Jan and Anne did some great teaching for us on this not so long ago, and the disciples are learning to flow with that. Now, 
everybody's wired a bit different, so certain gifts are going to go, oh, I really, really chime with that, that's great, oh, that makes me feel comfortable. But other gifts are going to come along and they're going to irritate the life out of you or challenge you and you're like, oh, no, no, that can't be Jesus. And it actually is. There's a, and there's almost a sliding scale in our thinking. He's like, oh, I love pastors. I'm quite fond of teachers. A bit scared of evangelists. Prophets worry me. And apostles challenge me to death. But actually they're all there for the health and the growth to maturity, which is what we're talking about, the discipleship. So we're learning as disciples to flow with all that. Do you know that God gives people vision for churches and ministries and it's not about them? So we, we have this vision mission statement that Jan said, now that's not my mission. Like I'm trying to recruit all of you to do what I have a vision for because then it will be awesome for me. I'm going to have a lot of people doing what, doing my vision and giving to my vision and supporting my vision and that's not what God does. If you think about the story of, of Moses, he gave Moses a vision to lead a people into a land out of slavery of making bricks with straw into a land of milk and honey and he suffered for that vision, to, but the whole point of it was to lead them to a better place. It wasn't, there was nothing about it that was for his benefit. In fact, it was a really difficult job for him to lead them to where God had shown them that he wanted them to go. But God gives leaders vision for the benefit of the people that they're leading. And sometimes it's a blinking struggle to get them to see that. They're like, well, this is just for you. No, it's nothing to, it's nothing to do with what's for me. It's you get arrested by something from heaven because God wants to take people from where they are to a better place. All right? He wants to take us to a place where we've really understood that God's a good father and nothing is impossible. He wants to take us to a place where every single one of us knows how, what it's like to see someone healed when we pray for them. He wants to take us to a place where we're completely secure in the love of God and we know that we're sons and daughters and we literally take an atmosphere of heaven into every place we go. He wants to take us as a place so that when people enter this room or whatever room we're in, people walk in and suddenly they encounter the love of the Father, their bodies get healed. Surely that's a preferable place. That's just not a personal selfish vision. Do you see, do you see, I'm using me as an example, but that disciples grow in their ability to receive the, the juices and nutrients that come from other gifts to help them become more mature and walk their walk. Amen? Oh, I'm loving the amens and I am going to finish on the final point is disciples, a disciple by definition is discipled by someone and is discipling. So a disciple is both a mentee and a mentor in not good to be on your own it's not good to make all your own decisions it's not good to make your mind up you're on your own about what you think about God the church the devil the future 
We need one another. We're designed to need one another. We're designed to be disciples. We're designed actually to be dependent. God does not give anybody all the gifts. He actually, if you like, he shortchanges every single person in his body by something that you just don't have because you have to go to somebody else for that bit. And you're like, I just don't have it. I'd like to find it because then I would be this secure, uh, fully rounded individual with all the things happening in my life. Nobody's like that on purpose. We need to discover our dependency and not try to fake it that we really know what it's like because then we start to discover our need and we draw on one another and we draw on those that want to disciple us and etc. etc. We're made dependent. Just, just, it's a healthy thing to not have everything. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah or thank you. Or that's a good point. Right, I'm going to close. Five minutes late, but I'm going to close. With a call to recommit ourselves to be disciples. And a call to answer Anne's call to engage with the discipleship process that's happening in this house. Because I think, although it appears maybe under the radar, it's possibly the most significant thing we've done in a long time in terms of bringing about health and strength and growth in, in this part of the body of Christ. So will you recommit yourself to being a disciple? And I thought about calling you out and getting you to stand up, but I don't want you to do that because I want you to count the cost. I want you to go, am I going to be a church attender the rest of my life or am I going to be a disciple? Am I going to engage with this and start to be proactive, hunger and thirst, figure out, you know, there's more points you could make about this, but there's seven to be going on with. Do I want to engage with that? Do I really want to engage with that? And I don't think if I said stand up now because I'm not sure that that would be fair or we'd get an authentic reaction. But I do want to challenge you to, if, if you haven't done this recently, do this again with yourself, with the Holy Spirit. Is that what I'm engaging with for the rest of my life? I want to be a disciple. I want to get to be more like him by the means that he has ordained in this life through his church and his ministries, etc. All right? So that's... Don't tell me now. Don't... But, I think he's asking you and he'd like you to give him an answer personally, privately, soon. And secondly, just a great way of expressing your answer is sign up for this incredible thing that's happening in Hope Church. So let's, let's pray. Oh, there's a great couple of parables Jesus talking about discipleship actually says, make sure you count all the bricks before you decide to build the wall and count all your soldiers before you decide to go to war. So that's really what I'm appealing to you to do. So Jesus, um, thank you for put inside every one of us a desire to be like you. It's also a bit of a shock sometimes to realize that disciples are made and not born and that in this season where the whole of culture is just trying to disciple us into something that doesn't look like you at all, that we would proactively and actively make a break with that and seek to be your disciples, taking your image to every place 
that we are able to go. And I pray for everybody in this room and those that maybe listen to this afterwards that they would give a wholehearted yes to either redoubling their engagement with being a disciple or maybe realizing they need to be one for the first time. And it would be a real decision and then they'd put legs on it and action it. In Jesus' name, amen.